Welcome to Soul Forum. We're delighted to have you here for this series we're calling Soul Body. Each conversation in this second season takes us deeper into the experience of our own bodies, the collective body, the earth body, and even the cosmic body, as we explore the way soul finds expression in our time. We hope what you discover along the way helps you journey a little deeper into your own soul body. It was a challenge to line up someone who might shed some light on this notion of the collective soul. How to explore the experience of soul that exists outside our individual selves, a soul that operates at some collective level. In the next three episodes, Dan and I sit down with an artist who works to create community art. His work and our conversation feels like a first step into how we might imagine our way into a collective soul body. Take a listen. Brian has given himself to art in kind of a unique way. He works mostly with found and discarded materials. So he's not trying to start with raw materials and create something artistic. Rather, he's entering into a relationship with found materials and hoping that those found materials might begin to tell their story again through his relationship with those found materials in order that they might um, reveal their history or their uh, past relationships or the reasons why they existed and maybe find life again and, and tap, help people tap into these ancient stories that are held in materials that have long been discarded. And so today I'm gonna to use some of his insights to try to help us uh, pivot a little bit from the idea of thinking about just your own body, which is important and you need to do, but also could I layer in some notion that every, um, every engagement with the world is tapping into that deeper story. And what is that deeper story? And how does it inform your soul's journey or your sense of self? Let me start with a project Brian worked on with um, some high school students. He's with um, students from Sacred Heart High School, which I think is a beautiful metaphor, right, for this story. So these are students at the Sacred Heart a beautiful way to frame it initially. They're staring at a um, single-use plastic champagne flute that they use to toast at their senior ball. Brian had asked them to search around their space to see if they could find materials that had been discarded. And at first they took them down to the basement and they just looked at all the stuff down in the basement of Sacred Heart. <laughs> I love that imagery, right? Going down to the basement of Sacred Heart to see what's left down there. They brought some of that stuff up to see if it sparked anything. It didn't connect with the kids so much. And then all of a sudden, one student said, I still have some of these empty, single-use plastic champagne flutes from our senior ball. Here is Brian telling the story of what happened, or maybe what always happens, when you head into the basement 
of the Sacred Heart. When I worked with the students at the schools of the Sacred Heart, yeah, um, right, and and I was working with um, high school kids, and um, was trying to get them, you know, how do I get them to think about each other or something bigger, and um, which I think would be tough to do in that with that age group, but yeah, yeah, yeah. but what I basically because I work in found materials and this is what I was really trying to get them to sort of look at and explore. I shared something with them that um, basically about like the stuff we don't see, right? Mm, Something that we don't see. So any, um, I had just kind of reread a little bit of this book, Cradle to Cradle, that was super important in my going into this path. But they're saying, you know, any product that we see or buy only represents 5% of the natural resources it took to create it. Mm. So like a plastic water bottle takes five cups of water to create a plastic water bottle to hold water. (laughs) And so we're only seeing the water bottle, but there's right. all this stuff beneath the surface, which mm. actually ended up being the title of their piece. Yeah, yeah. Um, but was just trying to talk to them about like, here's something in the world that you might not know, mm-hmm. and and what do you think about that when I when I bring this up? Like, what does it make you think of? Yeah. And so I gave them a couple different ideas for like themes, but. Thankfully, and and what is great, that's why I like this example, is they chose something that I didn't even come up with at all. Oh, interesting. How do you think they stumbled into that on their own? Did they they get that there's more, there's a world, I'm hearing you say there's like a world behind the stuff that you don't notice, and how do you begin to connect to that world? Exactly. How did they, how did they do that, and what did they? Yeah, so, you know, I gave them a couple themes, you know, whether it was transformation or like portals or metamorphosis or, you know, Mm. these kinds of things. And as we were in discussion, and then another thing that's always very helpful is having a time limit, right? (laughs) I was like, we have to decide something to like in the next hour and a half. Yeah. Otherwise nothing happens. So, um, you know, one of the students came up with this idea of an iceberg Mm. where she's like, you only see 10% of it yeah. above the surface. And then 90% of it is unseen below. Yeah. And so that was something that, you know, they they were kind of like swimming in that that water and that thought about like what oh what are other things where like we don't mm. we only see a little bit, but there's so much more. Yeah. And and again, to me, that's the interesting thing because that so much more is kind of, you know, that collective <laughs> pool right. that we're all living in and pulling from. Mm. And, you know, which also uh, I've, I've heard the subconscious and conscious mind described as an iceberg also where the conscious mind is only that little part that we can see. Yeah. But really the subconscious is that massive, massive part below you know, on one of the weekends that I showed up there to work with them, right? One of the students was like, "Oh, hey, 
we just had our junior prom last night and uh, I brought all of these and it was the like plastic champagne flutes mm. that they used to like do a toast or whatever. Right. And he brought like, you know, 50 of them. In. Yeah. And I was like, this, like, thank you. Like yeah. you are seeing what I want you to see. Right, exactly. I was like, I asked him, I was like, let me guess. So you did a toast last night with these, right? It's like, yeah. And you had like Martinelli's. It's like, yeah. Okay. And it lasted probably like 90 seconds. Uh-huh. And there were like 300 kids there. Uh-huh. Okay. So for 90 seconds of time, of which I is so inconsequential in my life that I'm only remembering it happened right now because you're doing this. 300 of these happened for 90 seconds. And I was like, multiply that by every high school in the United States. I haven't been in high school for 20 years. Yeah. By 20 years. That's football stadiums filled with these silly things. Yeah. For what? Like, you know, yes, I want to honor you guys, yeah. but we can be more creative. Yeah. It hasn't changed in 20 years and it just continues to generate this thing. Yeah. And so it opened that, that dialogue, mm -hmm. right? Of like, he got it. Yeah. And all the other kids, now we were talking about that. And I'm like, dude, you know, that is the message that I'm just mm -hmm. trying to be like, things are this one way because we've been given these things this yeah. this meme this this culture yeah but that doesn't mean that it needs to continue to be that way mm -hmm. like you are the youth you are the future you get to design how it's going yeah. to be yeah. so we can do something better because you're just showing me like and we're having this dialogue about all of us are connected mm -hmm. this affects all of us so you know, how do we get into that? I love so that. that. That was a, that was a, win. no, that was a, that was a win-win obviously. Um, when I love, I mean, and you're talking about high school students, so I don't, you know, I, you never know. I'm sure that one experience is going to be layered onto many experiences, but the ability to be able to see beyond that plastic champagne flute to the, it's exactly what you're talking about to the world behind it is the sort of, and even though it's, not a pretty story, you begin to see the soul of the collective, right? And, mm -hmm. it, and maybe it's a destructive soul, mm -hmm. but you that's what I'm hearing you say is they were able to see through that lens into a wider story that then could inform how they move forward. Exactly. And that really feels like, you know, if you're thinking about how to, you know, how do I pay attention to not just my own story or the flute that I hold, mm -hmm. but the story that's behind the flute as mm -hmm. metaphor to live into that awareness is the critical thing to be doing that opens up that possibility. Uh, I hear you. Yeah. Yeah. As you know, what they say about material, material things is that the thing that you're holding in your hand is about 5% of the thing itself. So what you're holding is 
a 5% picture of what that thing really is. 95% of that thing exists in other places, in people's labor, in manufacturing product, in energy. You begin to see in the flute that there's only a thin slice of what that thing's all about that you hold in your hands. But in reality, 95% of it is hidden. You can't see it. It's below the surface. And Brian goes on to help them understand in some senses, the same is true with our conscious mind, right? Our conscious mind is like probably maybe 10% of reality. The unconscious or the subconscious mind, the collective mind is this huge thing that sits underneath the surface. It reminds me of a wedding I just did in, um, where did I say that went? Fairfax. Does that sound right? Fairfax? Is that where it was? Fairfax. <laughs> Wherever it was, it was a beautiful venue. I was um, doing the wedding, and behind me was a grove of redwood trees. And you know, redwood trees, you look at them, and their, their grandeur is so spectacular that you just, uh, you're awestruck by what you see. But what I explored with them, and what I think Brian would say is, while we look at the tree and see how beautiful it is and how it reaches for the sun and how um, powerful it seems, the real beauty of that tree is actually taking place underneath the soil where you can't see. The beauty of that tree, especially a grove of redwoods, is that there used to be a mother tree in the middle of that grove that is now long disappeared, that literally gave its life for this grove to exist, for these children to stand tall. That story is buried now, invisible, but we, if, you, if you pay attention, you know that story in the tree itself. You know the story of the mother if you are paying attention to the history of that grove. And then below the surface, all of those sisters and brothers, those trees in a ring, they intertwine their roots together so they can withstand high winds. They trade resources together below the surface. It's as if to imagine that there's more under the surface than there is above. And that's what Brian was trying to help these kids learn. And then to say, let's create art that tells the story that is buried beneath the surface, the story below the story. And I, and I think what I'm struggling to figure out, and this is what I'm offering it to you to think about too, is that is there a way to invite in a more consistent way kind of the, the deeper collective story into your consciousness as a spiritual person or as a thoughtful person or as a person who is trying to pay attention to the shape of your life or our collective life? Can you tap into it and allow it full expression more frequently? And how might you do that? How might you do that? One of the great things about an artist, and this is why I loved working with Brian and having the conversation with him, is Brian doesn't start that journey with abstract concepts like we do in religion, right? So religion oftentimes just uses abstract ideas and then helps us to understand what's going on below the surface through the world of ideas or concepts. But an artist actually takes stuff, you know, a real thing, and an item, 
and then begins to say, what is the story behind that item, and begins to dig deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper into it. And Brian's intention is to allow that story to inform who we are most fully. So I asked him, so how do you begin that journey? And I think there's three little points here, and I think they're all helpful metaphors for how each of us might try this. The first thing he says is, I gotta learn to get out of the way. Learn to get out of the way and allow the thing itself to guide you into its story, which is unique for us, right? But to let it take you on a journey into its own story. When I'm doing my sculpture work, yeah, um, you know whether that's up in Alaska, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, the piece that I did up there, you know, I was working with the historic artifacts, the historic mining artifacts, and history of the town itself. Yeah. So, like, I was looking at, and and you know, this is part of like in working with found objects they already have the story they're steeped in story Mm. they've already lived a life as something yeah so like there's that's the fun cool part of of being an artist and sculptor but it's like that balance of like i'm not trying to be heavy-handed and be like this is what I'm trying to say. Yeah. It's like, boom. Yeah, like, I'm going to use this thing to make my this, point. Yeah, right? yeah, which I got is, you. Which is really like so much of manipulating material can be that. Right, right? I, I hear you. And, and working with new materials, that's literally what you're doing. You're yeah, like, I'm yeah. going to mold this into what I want it to be. Right. To me, it's like the, Alaska is just the perfect example because I'm like, we're honoring these pieces. Mm-hmm. So like I'm trying to get out of the way mm. of this thing. It already has all the story. Yeah. I'm just trying to like create a cool frame around it mm. so that you're even more drawn to what that item is. Yeah. So th- that's what I really you know whether it's spoken or not you're you're working with things that just like already had a full life story. And, and so you connect to that life story in some way, but then it's like, that's no longer the story. What's the new story? Right. So do you like the piece you worked on in Alaska, um, where it was all those, you brought together all of that kind of material mm-hmm. together after you framed it, that's the term you use after you kind of brought it into a different kind of focus for the community, it lives there mm-hmm. in the community. Do you, do you think it, it now tells a story to that community about themselves or does it does it have this capacity for uh ongoing expression simply by the way in which you framed it and how how would you unpack that a little bit um that's a really cool example because it's on main street in this Mm. tiny town in alaska Right. There's like four streets in the town. Right. So it's, 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 it is literally it's prevalent. A, it's, it's, it's a major thing there. It's yeah. a new landmark. Uh, it's a new landmark, which I did not. Somebody said that to me. Yeah. What an interesting term, right? Yeah. It's a new landmark. Yeah. And mm. I was like, 
wow, you know, uh, it, yeah. it is. And and it was one of those where like, I love that town and community. Yeah. And uh, and if and if if that thing sucked, I would have nowhere to hide. <laughs> like I basically could never go back. They'd be like, dude, you just. Dropped a turd in the middle of our town. Like, why? Thanks a lot. Why do I have to look at this every time I come to my home? Right. You know. But thankfully, yeah, I only had just overwhelmingly positive yeah. responses to it, um, and it was, you know, like some people. There are some things in there that like no one knows what they are mm-hmm. they're like mining artifacts that some people are like dude i nobody can tell me i'm like yeah. hey it's right here on yeah. the gate like what is this thing and even like the grizzled you know like <laughs> yeah, old timers are like uh i don't know <laughs> you know like but you like i learned a ton of history yeah of seeing these things and and other people did it, it also is a, like, what's cool is I haven't been there during the winter to see it in person during the winter. Mm-hmm. But every winter, people send me photographs of it covered in snow. Oh, or the snow, cool. especially right now, Alaska, yeah. the last couple of years has had huge, like, historic snowfall. Mm-hmm. So it totally changes. And then, like, the fence is just coming out of the snow right so now it's a totally new landscape but this thing is still there through all the seasons and and there's only 35 people permanent residents there during the winter so like to those people right this is absolutely a thing and like they're the ones who get to enjoy it i (laughs) i i barely ever get to see it well do you think it's become has it you know and this is a question i asked i had for later on but i'm just wondering how much that both the journey they took, the coming together of material from the very land on which they reside, the way it lives now as a landmark, mm-hmm. has become for them like it's almost like a like a little sanctuary or a lens through which they see themselves, or that they can. This is who we are, and this is who we. Um, like it's a tether to that longer story of who that community is which feels a little bit to me like that a manifestation of what I might say is their kind of collective soul, right? The the stuff that's hidden is mm-hmm. now shining on Main Street. Yeah. And it's dynamically in conversation with the weather. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, I mean, it's mm-hmm. it's a phenomenal story. It really is. Um, yeah. Yeah, thanks, man. It's yeah, it's awesome. Yeah, you should feel good about that story. I mean, and it's exactly what you were describing. You wanted to do with your art, right? It's like one perfect example of that. Totally. Yeah. Brian shares the process he goes through to help him get out of the way, so that art might emerge from that deeper place. It's not too far of a leap to apply some of the same wisdom to how each of us might allow some deeper stirring to find voice or expression in our own artistic expression of soul. Take a journey to the story under the story. And what a beautiful, I think, gift that is to all of us to think 
we don't have to always, and we've heard this over and over again through our conversations, we don't, we don't always have to approach the meaningful life through our own ego-based, you know, uh, egocentric pathway. We can ask ego to just step aside for a bit and allow us a deeper journey into something uh, that might provide a richer narrative out from which we can reimagine ourselves. And that's one of the first things that Brian talks about is trying to get out of the way and let the thing tell the story itself. For Brian, sometimes he says that's not easy to do, right? He says there's artists who say, like um, sculptors who say, you know, when they have a stone and they're trying to do art with a stone, they're really trying to let the stone drive what the piece looks like. They're not trying to impose what it should look like onto the rock. They're trying to let the rock, its shape emerge as you work with it. And I think in many ways, that's kind of what we're doing in soul form, right? We're not trying to impose these religious systems on anybody. We're just working together to see what's emerging and let, let whatever spirit, soul, vibrancy, energy, rhythm, uh, uh, what would you call it, like resonance, let it come to the surface and tell its story through us. When I start working on a project, like coming up with an idea, I have like a framework of like, oh yeah, that was the first spark of, in of inspiration. Right. Or the first thing that I felt that was like, oh yeah, there's, there's the like, the thread, right? Mm -hmm. There's the tether. Like, so, okay, I'm going to start on that path. Yeah. But I just recognize that like there's there's going to be a period of time where it looks shitty. Mm -hmm. There's going to be a period of time where like things that I did not even expect are going to show up mm -hmm. and there may be like I may have to get rid of a bunch of stuff or like scrap the whole idea or mm -hmm. whatever. But like, it's just going into that without fear. Mm -hmm. And then there's also just a trust that in, in myself that like, I know what I like and what feels good. Mm -hmm. And if it feels like, if it feels like I'm forcing something just recognize that that's what's going on mm. and okay if I, sometimes that'll happen i'm working on one section of this piece and it's like this is really just not i'm just not feeling it even though that was the idea and conceptually mm -hmm. i like it i'm gonna just let i'm i'm not gonna work on that right now i'm mm. gonna switch to this other part of the piece that i can work on right now that i yeah. know like hey this isn't even really a creative part. I just need to get it done. Mm -hmm. So like, just get that part done that you can work on. Mm. And then as I do that, that's what I love about that. Like a sculpture, you know, you always hear that classic, like sculptors are like, oh yeah, the stone like told me what it right. needed to be. Yeah, right? Exactly right. Like, yeah, you do. I just followed what was already coming out, right. you know? <laughs> and it's, that is that beautiful, thing that I think you're talking yeah, about of like, what, yeah. dude, how do I just get into whatever it is, that mindset or just like 
trusting the material, trusting myself and being like, what is the story? And then you're, you're in it and it unfolds it like, okay, I complete that part I needed to complete. It just told now, now it's clear. Like mm-hmm. that thing I was working on, no. Like pull all of those things and just put this there instead. Yeah. Or whatever it is. Like it it tells that story to you, but you're like in dialogue with it. And that is that, I think, you know, that's one of the, that's like that beautiful thing about art and right and life that like, man, I as we were talking before about there's so many different paths in life, but like literally that still is there every time I'm making hmm. a, something creative that is my, like, that's just like coming out. Yeah. And I can't ever like deny that mm-hmm. or be like, yeah, it's just not that important. <laughs> you know, like, yeah, yeah. like I, <laughs> it, it's just such a, a, you know, whether it's, a magic thing or such a beautiful thing but it's just like it's so it's so true like when you know it you know it and you're just there like like surfing you know yeah you're just in that wave and it's just moving out in front of you and you're just like what do i want to do on this wave wow and it's but it sounds like you you connect to that <clears throat> You can't force that, is what I'm hearing you say. It's way more like, um, I, don't, I don't know, maybe intuition is too strong a word for it, but it, you're you're clearing space out inside of yourself so that that process is able to happen. Right. And trusting, you've done it enough now that you start to trust, you do trust, mm-hmm. that the process will unfold. In reality, he says, for me and for others we know, there is no real perfect expression. It's just this ongoing uh, revelation that you experience as you enter into working with a piece that begins to tell you more about yourself and who you are and more about the piece as well. And that we don't have to fear-base that journey, right? We can just enter into it fully. We're going to make mistakes along the way. Uh, stuff's going to get tossed aside and then picked up again. You can, you don't have to have a lot of fear around it. And it's fascinating to me how much, this kind of drives me nuts a little bit, how much religion is kind of fear-based. I don't know if you noticed that. Um, And anything that's fear-based is very suspect in this world, right? Because it's not allowing for anything to happen that is outside of the control of whatever system is imposing that fear on you, right? Um, I mean, I grew up, uh, you know, afraid of hell, or I grew up afraid of misbehaving. I grew up with packs of fears that were imposed on me, and then I constructed a narrow path based on all the, you know, layers of fear that had been handed to me, thank you very much. And, you know, an artist is like, no, don't do it that way. It's a beautiful, liberating kind of way of thinking about your spiritual journey. So no fear as you move into this stuff. Uh, just let it unfold in its own course. And then the last one, and I'm, I'm going to use some of his other thoughts next week too, but his last one is a beautiful one, and it's called, Try to make this process of tending to that which is below the surface, make it mythic. 
make it mythic. And what might he mean by that? Brian continues the story of the installation he created in Alaska. An example. Yeah. Right. I, I built and installed that. And the, the town has a, a tall tale contest mm -hmm. every year. Such a great event. Sounds like it. It's so fun. I, I had never been to a tall tale contest <laughs> before going there, but it's like something I look forward to every, every yeah. year at the, at the end of the year. Right at the end of the, in the fall. Yeah. And one of the stories that was told there the year that I installed the, the gate yeah. and the fence, this woman who is a, a fixture and a local in the community and has been in Tall Tales many times, had a dream about me and the the whole gate and fence. And right. that was the tall tale that she wrote and told yeah. to the town at Tall Tales. Yes. So like on many levels, right? Like yeah, this is something that has impacted this. so much that it's, it's like in her, in her dream and subconscious mind, right? So like, and so much so that she like that then crazy. wrote it, reflected it back yes. out to the society, to the to the community. Yes. Right. So it's like, like, oh, aside from like people talking to me and be like, "Dude, this is awesome." Thank yeah, right, you. Right. Like getting photos afterwards or whatever. Like that she's dreaming. Was unreal. Like that was so cool because I'm like, this is impactful on this yes. level to the people who actually live here. Yeah. Right? Like, that is my goal. Like, that's what I want. Like, yeah. I, my mission as an artist, as I've shared with you, you know, is to create value, not only for individuals, but communities and future generations. Yeah, that's, And yeah. like, how do we bring, right, that past, present, and future together? Yep. How do we bring people together in physical proximity and in dialogue and conversation? Yeah. And, and art is the language of the subconscious. So like- right. You're like so you're, you're having when the, the community's dreaming. <laughs> so I, that must have blown your mind, uh, dude. It was amazing because yeah. I was just in there and she's like, "Oh, I've got it. This is my story," and it was like a ten-minute thing, oh, and, it, and it was epic too. It oh. wasn't. It wasn't just like it was. It was full-on epic, and she. That it was a great, great story. Brian. That is great. Yeah. One of that. If if anything, I'm so glad you shared that because if anything captures you know the essence of the work that you're doing it's that story right you your i mean these found objects are now manifesting in the subconscious and then someone's trying to articulate a narrative out from that subconscious that's just this it, it alone it's a recycling it's a beautiful story it's, it was amazing yeah. uh <laughs> that that is yeah. phenomenal and that tall tale held the beauty and truth of all of that kind of archaic found material that had been given a chance to tell its story for the community. In some ways, that turned a piece of junk into mythology itself. Mythology that sinks below the surface and begins to inform even your subconscious. 
I think as people who are interested in this, and I'm assuming you're here because you are, right? Finding this way to build a fluid conversation between what's going on in your life in the surface and what's going on below the surface, where the roots are winding their way into a material that can support you through life, or where there are past lives, if you will, of the mother tree that have long dissipated that inform who you are, whatever those ancient stories are, to live every day with some sort of tether from the 5% to the 95%, allowing the language of both to be part of who you are. I think that's what we're called to think about or explore as we imagine together what a collective soul might look like. We know that this conversation feels like a stretch, but we hope it serves as an example or a metaphor for how you might tend to the potential of the collective soul that stirs beneath the surface of our conscious awareness. A story that reaches back 13 and a half billion years to the birth moment of our shared cosmos. Might our collective soul run that deep? In the next episode, Dan looks more deeply into those places that might serve as a portal in this level of awareness. And it's not where you might expect. Join us. This episode of Soul Forum has been brought to you by Storycatcher for iPhone, a fun and simple tool that helps you create shareable keepsake video stories. Be the documentarian in your circles. Find Storycatcher, spelt as all one word, on the Apple App Store. You may attend Soul Forum Live each Sunday morning at Creekside Commons in Lafayette, California. The 30-minute presentation is also live-streamed via YouTube and Facebook, where people interact via the chat. After the live stream is complete, for those gathering in person, we then enter into a non-recorded group discussion on the day's topic. We'd love for you to join us for Soul Forum.